All right, ready? Rock and roll. Welcome back to the RGV Sports Podcast. We are here for another football season. The 2020 season is underway here in the Rio Grande Valley uh, for some small schools. And we got the big dogs coming along this week. And uh, we're just excited to be here with you. My name is Brian Ramos. I'm a sports writer with The Monitor and RGVsports.com. My name is Andrew McCullough. I'm Brian's co-host. And I'm also a sports reporter with The Monitor and RGVsports.com. And we're excited to bring you the latest and greatest in all things RGV football this season. Uh, Brian, it's really sure to be a season unlike any other. Some weird rules, some weird start times, and some weird matchups that we're not really used to seeing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a different year, definitely, that, that everybody's going to have to get used to. But I think uh, the, the main thing is people are coaches, players, uh, people are just happy to be to have the opportunity to play football again, to be back on the field and uh, to be with their teammates and, and, and playing that game. And, uh, yeah, and we, they get to go and play under those Friday night lights for the first time coming up here uh, this week. And it's uh, an exciting time here in the Rio Grande Valley. 2020 has uh, thrown us nothing but curveballs uh, nonstop. And here we are getting close to the, uh, the ninth inning. But, uh, yeah, at least we got football back. And, we're like Andrew said, we're happy to be here with you guys. And so, yeah, uh, football kicked off in, in the Rio Grande uh, across the state uh, in, on August 3rd. And then uh, that was for small schools. For bigger schools, it started September 7th. And of course, Rio Grande Valley schools, we couldn't really get started until September 28th. We are now about two or three weeks removed from that start date. Teams have been practicing, teams have been putting in the work and uh, practicing all their new uh, safety protocols. And uh, we, the RGV was delivered, at least Hidalgo County and Star County saw their first football game this past weekend, Andrew. You were there to catch that one, the Monitors game of the week between Hidalgo and Gruya. Absolutely. The Pirates and the Gators kicked off the return of RGV football as one of two games in the Rio Grande Valley for the first time in more than 200 days last week. And uh, this one didn't disappoint. The Pirates really came out locked and loaded after what was really a turnaround season for them last year. In 2018, they went 2-8, and eight, but last year in head coach Monty Stumball's third season, they went 8-3, and three and they got to the bi-district round of the playoffs, played a postseason game in the Alamo Dome, and they're back and loaded up again this year. And I got to tell you, they looked very impressive on uh, Friday night. The Gators did too, but that's uh, it's not to take anything away from Gruya, but, man, the Pirates really did look impressive. Uh, you know, running back Zach Carrera had 15 carries for over 220 yards. Uh, he also had really the play of the night, which was a 72-yard touchdown run. Uh, with a nice little stiff arm there thrown in on the sideline to get to the end zone. He was the Monitors player of the week for his performance this past week, but it was really an all-around team performance for the Pirates. Senior quarterback Robert Martinez played really well, about 170 yards on the ground rushing for him and three touchdowns, really helped power this team uh, offensively and showed a lot of consistency through this one. And, uh, I mean, defensively, the Pirates' front seven looks for real. I mean. Uh, they are a big front seven for any team in the Rio Grande Valley, but especially at a smaller school and one in the 4A level. Uh, they've got Kyle Perales, who's a two-way guy at tight end and defensive end. 
who's got like a 6-4 frame that makes him a real difficult matchup. And the guy who really stood out to me defensively in this one was Dakota Cervantes for Hidalgo, another senior defensive end for the Pirates. He had three sacks and two pass deflections uh, down the stretch in this one. Really disruptive play all night, uh, getting in the face of the Gators dual-threat quarterback, J.T. Trujillo, who looked really sharp in this one, too. The Gators were moving the ball a lot to start this game. Uh, just had a few costly hiccups here and there uh, uh, and missed field goal here and there also. Unfortunately, unable to put any points on the board, but I got to tell you, the Gators' secondary looked really good. Uh, they recovered a muff punt in the Pirates' red zone. Didn't get any points, but it was a big turnover that turned the tide at that point in the game. And they got two big interceptions and kind of effectively shut down the Pirates' passing game. So definitely some positive takeaways there if you're a Gruya fan. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, those 4A schools and uh, those lower schools are back at it and, and back in action. And uh, there were a couple other schools uh, on the football field who ha had a good showing. And uh, one of those is, is Raymondville and, and their running back. Zaravion uh, Armandadas, who uh, just went bananas and was actually awarded the Class 4A uh, Built for Tough Player of the Week award. Um, so shout out to him after running for 265 yards on 24 carries and four touchdowns. And then he also had five catches, 92 yards, and two more touchdowns. So just an absolutely bananas day. I wish I had him on my fantasy football team. But, uh, yeah, just a tremendous day, tremendous start uh, for Raymondville. Uh, to, to this season as uh, they come off uh, with a big win, which uh, I, I think, uh, judging from the, the reaction on Twitter, caught a few people by surprise. Raymondville upends Victoria West 39-33, uh, showing just what Raymondville can do early on. Yeah, that was a big-time win for the Bearcats, going to a neutral site and beating not just a, a bigger Class 5 opponent, but a one of the bigger Class 5 teams in the state of Texas. Uh, on a neutral field in a season opening game without any scrimmages. It's a very impressive win. Uh, and it shows this Ravenville team came ready to play in a season when uh, you, you kind of don't know how many games you've got until you play them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then we also got to give some love to the La Feria Lions uh, and their reign in district 16, four, eight D one continues as they start off uh, district play with a big 41, 13 win. Uh, over Zapata so um, La Feria loses some talent but they seem to be reloaded once again and uh, off, off to a really good start here um, this season so uh, yeah those 4A schools those 3A schools in Monte Alto and La Villa they're right into the thick of things they're right in district play and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these next few weeks of course play out for them who will capture some of those playoff spots at, at from the 2A through 4A level here in the Rio Grande Valley and then of course uh, we got some uh, those 5A and 6A schools getting ready to kick it off here in a few days. Got to give a quick shout out to the Lifer Bulldogs too. They scored a big 51-9 win this past weekend. That puts them at 2-0 on the season. They haven't played a game in the Valley yet, but it hasn't seemed to matter. They keep on rolling, winning big time games, uh, putting a lot of points between them and the teams they're playing. So kudos to those guys. That's awesome. And yeah, so uh, every week we're going to take you and break down what happened the, the, the previous week before. And uh, that, that pretty much wraps up everything that happened uh, that last week in the R RGB football scene. And uh, this upcoming week, we got a lot more 
But uh, for now, we're going to jump to uh, an interview we did with Matt Stepp from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, who joined Andrew and I here on the RGV Sports Podcast to uh, talk up some football, the RGV sports scene, and, uh, of course, some taco talk. So uh, here, here's our interview with Matt Stepp of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We're excited to bring back Valley football kind of in force this week. I think most Valley teams are back at it, whether it's district competition, non-district games, or scrimmages. Uh, we've had all the small schools, or I should say the sub-5A schools, get started here. Uh, I guess just to start off, what have kind of your impressions been of some of the 5A programs in and around this area that have stuck out to you so far? Um, you know, LaFerry's Lefer- big win last week uh, to open district play was, was, was big. I thought, um, just the dominance that they had, you know, you know, just, I think the Lions have been really good the past three years. They've lost some really good senior classes and it seems like coach Salinas and his crew, they just, they're just reloading and, uh, you got, you got to count LaFerria, you know, right among the, the, probably the, the leader in 16, four, a division one. Uh, with district play getting started, I think you know they're the clear favorite right now. I think Hidalgo's still going to be in the mix. Uh, Coach Stumball, Stumball's done a heck of a job there uh, turning that program around, but I think it's you know Lafarius to lose without a doubt. Um, Lifer's been I've noticed Lifer's been impressive early on. That you know Coach um, <clears throat> Coach Gonzalez, those guys have done a good job there. Um, I, I think they can stay healthy, especially with Klosterman at quarterback. If they can keep him healthy. Um, I think they've got a chance to, to you know, th- their district's a little bit weird with the, with the zone set up and the zone playoff that they have going on. But I think um, that I, I expect Lifer to finish the top of their zone and possibly play um, for the district title there on November the 6th. Um, outside of that, no one stuck out yet. I mean, it's, it's kind of, th- th- those guys are just kind of really just getting going. But, but Laferia and Lifer are two that have stuck out. You know, Raymondville, with their picking up that game late um, against Victoria West, uh, I thought they were really impressive getting that non-district win over Victoria West. And we're talking about a big 5A program, um, you know, with, you know, Victoria West has an enrollment, you know, pushing, uh, they're technically a division two school enrollment wise, but, but they play in division one, but they're a big division two school. And we're talking 17, 1800 kids in that school. And for Raymondville to come out and get a win and their in their opener, I thought was massive. The, the, the big question I think I have with Raymondville is just, it, are they going to even play a district game? You know, are they just going to be granted the third playoff spot there in 16-4A Division Two, Because we really don't know what's going on with Port Isabel and if they're going to play. And with Rio Hondo opting out this year, it's kind of leaving Raymondville on an island. But, but I think uh, the, the statement they made to open the season was very impressive. And uh, so – Obviously, you bounce around from, from uh, high school stadium to high school stadium all across the state. And uh, what, what has this football season felt like for you? You obviously got to experience it firsthand, and football just came back to the Valley for us, and a lot of people are going to get their first taste of it uh, coming up here this weekend. What, what are your thoughts, uh, thoughts on Friday night football in this kind of unprecedented year? Yeah, it's different. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that it's, it's just like it was last year. I mean, you notice it, just, you know, you got to make sure there was one game I went to where I, I forgot, I forgot my mask and I had to run to the, I had to run to Walgreens and pick up some masks, you know, cause I, now I keep a few extras in my truck just in case, but uh, something like that, something simple like that has been um, something new and just the new, you know, you walk in and, 
and everyone's very cognizant of, of trying to, to socially distance and, and do your part, um, making sure your mask is on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd say I'm pretty good about, about making sure my mask is on. If I, you know, if I'm on the sidelines, um, cause depending on the stadium I go to, you know, I, I'll go in the press box if it's a large press box and I, and I feel like the, the social distancing is, is on point in those press boxes. I'll, I'll go in the press box and absolutely, you know, I have my mask on when I'm indoors. And then when I'm on the sidelines, if, if I'm in the end zone and there's no one around me, I'll kind of slide the mask down and sneak a quick breath, you know, and get some, get a full breath in that kind of thing. But um, when I'm around kids, when I'm around other people, the mask is on. And I think everyone has done a pretty good job of that. I think it varies from school to school and stadium to stadium. Some stadiums do a little bit better job uh, than others, just kind of like with anything, right? You know, there's like with media hospitality, right? There's some stadiums that are really nice to the media and have food and all this cool stuff and Wi-Fi and, and plugs and stuff like that. And there's some stadiums where it's pretty, you know, you're kind of on your own. So I think it's like that with the, with the protocols as well. So it definitely varies. And obviously you notice the, in the stands, um, especially at games, you know, the, some of the smaller school games that I've been to, the stadiums aren't very big. And anytime you go to a small school game, you know, it's packed. Like, I mean, when I went to Laferia a couple of years ago when they played Port Isabel, I mean, the stadium was full. I mean, there was a, there were people standing room only, you know, at those, some of those smaller stadiums. And, uh, you know, you, you, won't, you don't see that this year. You see the, the, the crowds reduced and you see the bands. A lot of times the bands that, that show up are usually like in folding chairs on the track or in the end zone or something like that. And they're spaced out. So the bands aren't in the stands, but, I'm actually glad to have the bands out there because, it, you know, the games that I've been to where neither band has showed up, it's definitely lacked an atmosphere. Absolutely. Our first game in officially in the Valley last week uh, when Hidalgo played Gria, there were no bands there. And you could kind of tell it was this weird mix of being able to hear everyone at the same time or being able to hear a pin drop anywhere in the stadium. It was kind of a weird feeling. Um, but yeah. we want to ask you – Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. No, no, I will say, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's just when the bands aren't there, you know, and, and, I, and I've been known at time or two to make a, make a band crack, you know, if the halftime runs too long or something like that. But I, I'll tell you what, I appreciate them now more than ever because the games that I've been to where one or both bands have showed up, it's really added to the experience. And then, you know, kind of once the game kicks off, um, you kind of forget about everything. And it's nice, you know, you forget that we're in the middle of a pandemic for a couple of hours and, and you just get to watch and, and enjoy uh, Texas high school football. So um, that's the positive part of it is it was once, once the game kicks off, um, you just kind of forget about it for a little while and you're working, you're kind of in your, you know, you, you guys know when, you, when you're at a game covering it, you kind of get into your groove and it's nice to just forget about all everything that's been going on, all, all the, all the tragic stuff that's been going on. Um, not only in the, in the state of Texas, but, you know, in the Rio Grande Valley specifically or for, for anyone in their local area. Definitely. Uh, we, we wanted to ask you a little bit about UIL realignment and stuff too and just kind of get your general thoughts. Uh, overall, the Valley loses a 6A district, but overall the two 6A districts it has, 6A districts it has grows in numbers. What are kind of your thoughts on some of the new districts down here and just sort of the level? So, you know, we were pretty confident the Valley was going to lose one of their three districts this year um, because, you know, last, last alignment, you know, one of the districts was a 16 district, which is for 6A really small. And you don't, you don't see many 6A districts. I think it was one of two 6A, six, six team districts in class 6A uh, in 2017 and 2018. So with Westlaco East dropping, with the three McAllens dropping, I mean, you knew that the Valley was going to lose a district. So they're not going to spread 17 teams across three districts. Um, so the two districts that the Valley has is, are uh, very powerful, very deep, a lot of good teams. Obviously, 
31-6A uh, is not as deep as it was with La Jolla and uh, uh, Waters Lincoln not playing this year, um, but still a solid seven-team district. And obviously the district in the lower valley um, is, is really good with, with Harlingen and, and San Benito. And, and you add in, you know, Westaco into that, into that mix. And, and you have the Brownsville schools, which, you know, Hannah is always in the mix as well. And I think uh, Rivera made some good strides last year. So it's a couple of really good districts there. I think, I think 16-5A Division One for my money, is the best district in the Valley, top to bottom. I think the two five-team zones are going to be really entertaining this year, and I, and I think you're going to see um, a lot of competitive football. And then when that uh, zone – those zone playoff games are going to be a lot of fun the last week of the season because, um, you, know, they're, you know, for the second and third place teams, those are, those are win or go home games. They're, they're like playoff games, so the playoffs will get started a week early there. And I, I think one of the most interesting things about the way some of those zone matchups – um, in, in the final week are going to play. It's, it's it, like you said, it is an early playoff game and we are going to see um, so, some classic rivalries. I mean, we got, uh, I'm talking District 16, 5A, D2. We got um, Mich, um, Mission Veterans, Sherryland High, Sherryland Pioneer on one side and then we got Mercedes and Ed Couch Elsa on the other side who um, last year that, that, that district was, was pretty interesting. And so what, what are your thoughts on, on, on just uh, that, that district? and how you see it playing out. So, you know, obviously the, the, two, the two Sherryland schools along with Mission Vets in that, in that Western zone, um, you look at it and, and there's a possibility that, that a really good team misses the playoffs this year from one of those three. If, if Ed Couch or Mercedes, I mean, you've got Ed Couch or Mercedes in, in, down on, in, in the East zone and then the, the, Sherryland schools and mission vets in the West zone, it's five teams. So one really good team is probably going to be home this year. So I think pioneer for my money is, is, is the team to beat obviously with Eddie Marburger and, and the run they had last year, you know, I was at that game against a uh, birdie champion and, you know, we all kind of walked away feeling like pioneer probably should have won the game um, in the third round of the playoffs. Um, I know that they lost a lot of really good players from that team, but when you've got the guy Marburger uh, returning, I, I think you could see pioneer, uh, make a similar push this year but you know getting out of their own district is going to be a, a real chore because I think Mission Vets you know they're not being talked about as much uh, but I think Mission Vets dropping down with some of the guys they have back and, and getting AJ Gonzaki back after he uh, had you know was left for a little while went to, uh, was supposed to go to Cornerstone getting him back in the fold I think uh, makes Mission Vets a real dangerous team and I, when Mission Vets and P Pioneer uh, uh, hook up that's going to be a real shootout I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game. At circling back to uh, District 16-5A, D1, that seems to be a pretty deep district. It's a 5A district, but there are three teams that went to the playoffs in 6A last year in that district. Who's maybe a dark seat contending for So, I, you know, most of the talk, I think, is going to center around uh, Westaco East and McAllen Memorial, um, and for good reason. Um, I think Palmview, you know, before this, before La Jolla ISD had kind of put the brakes and everything, I thought Palmview was a, was a team that was a real dark horse. I'll be interested to see uh, kind of what their stay, stay is, kind of you know getting back started. If it's going to take them a couple of weeks, if they're a couple of weeks behind everyone else, um, but I think Palmview has a potential to be a dark horse. I think Brownsville Vets um, has the has dark horse potential as well. And if, if you're looking for like a real deep sleeper, I, I always like Donna. And I, and I just wonder if Donna, with a lot of the experience they have coming back, a new coach and kind of some new energy um, could be uh, in play as well, especially with the zone set up with Donna being in that eastern zone. No, they're in the west zone. Sorry. Donna's in the west zone, I believe. 
uh, East, Westaco East is in the East zone, I think. So, uh, but Donna, I think, you know, playing the McAllen schools is going to be tough, but they do have the depth um, to compete with the McAllen schools. They're, they're not that much smaller than, than the three McAllen schools. And, and Matt, so um, uh, look, looking at the way the second round of the playoffs uh, match up, it's going to be uh, Valley going up against some Corpus schools, some uh, Laredo schools, some San Antonio schools um, immediately. So it's going to be a, a little tougher test uh, than, it, than it has been in recent years for some of these Valley schools. Who, who are some of these schools that, that you can see? Uh, and and you, you just touched on one of them. One of the, I think, favorite dark horses is West Coast East, who can maybe put together a run. We've seen them do it at the 6A level. What, what are you expecting from them and some other teams here once we enter that postseason? So, so I think if you're looking for teams to the best chance to make it past that third round threshold and make a deep run, I, I think you you have to look at the 5A schools. Westaco East is is the way 5A Division One Region Four sets up. I think it sets up well for Westaco East. I think they're right there with Corpus Christi Vets, Corpus Christi Flower Bluff as you know one of the favorites to win the region, not just to get out of the third round. But I think Westaco East with their experience in 6A will not be intimidated or in awe of playing Corpus Christi Vets or Flower Bluff. I think they'll be able to play and go toe-to-toe with, with those teams uh, in a potential third or fourth round playoff game. Uh, in, 5A, in 5A Division II, I, I think Pioneer is clearly the team to watch just because of the playoff experience they had last year. But you do have Mission Vets with, with the guys they had that were sophomores when they made their four-round playoff run a couple of years ago. So I'd say if you want to look for teams that are going to make deep playoff pushes, you look in 5A. And I think those are the, those are the three teams, uh, Westaco East, Mission Pioneer, and Mission Vets, that are the three kind of teams to watch as far as deep playoff runs. 6A just got a tough draw. I just can't see any Valley 6A teams making a deep push just because of the, of the draw and having to play the San Antonio schools in, in some cases in the second round of the playoffs. That's a, that's a tall order uh, for the 6A schools in the Valley. If there's one that can do it, I would say it's Vela, though. Okay, I like that insight. All right, Matt, are you ready for our three and out questions? We're going to start Let's out. Let's do it. Okay. First off, we're going to start off with what are some of your favorite Valley football rivalries? Uh, you got to start with the Battle of the Arroyo, Harlingen and San Benito. That's the first Rio Grande Valley game that I ever went to, um, and it blew me away from the jump. I mean, I, I was told to get there three hours early, and, and I was, they were pretty much right because uh, the parking lot was packed. It was in San Benito. People were tailgating. Uh, everyone was offering me food, and everybody was super nice. Um, I didn't get a seat in the press box because, as you guys know, San Benito's press box isn't the uh, biggest press box in the world, but it's a big stadium. So they, have, they had a spot for me, the bleachers, and, and it was a great atmosphere, great rivalry. And then they had, you know, what blew me away was they had fireworks at, the ha- at halftime. I don't know who set that up, but there was a fireworks display at halftime in San Benito. So I was pretty, pretty in awe of that and just the whole bigness of the rivalry. You know, all the TV stations in, in, the, in the Valley were there. And it was completely packed, standing room only, and, and, and the intensity of the game uh, matched uh, the hype that I had gotten coming in. Coming in, because when I when I flew in and got in my rental car and turned on the radio, there were people calling into the radio. St- this was in 2012, I think, calling into the radio stations like talk, trash talking each other and everything. I was like, wow, you know, you don't get that in, in Dallas because you know people are calling in talking about the Cowboys, right? You know, they're not talking about high school football on the radio very much. So I thought that was a big deal. Uh, I think I think Mission Mission Vets is a big rivalry. The Battle of Conway is always a, a, a fun rivalry, and one that you know it's it's not it doesn't have the uh, the age that um, Harlingen San Benito has because because of the fact that Mission Vets is a fairly new school. But that that's a good one. 
and then the, the Tanaka Bowl, Westaco and Westaco East. I think that's the, that's got the best name of any rivalry in the state of Texas. Um, I get asked all the time, "What's a Tanaka?" And I have to explain. Like people, people in the Metroplex thinks it's like thinks it's food. They think it's something to eat that they have never heard of, and they want to try it. And I'm like, no, it's a water tower in Spanish. Uh, but it's, I think it's a really cool tradition that Westaco and Westaco East have, where they light the water tower in the school's colors. Whoever wins the game. Um, and I remember the first time they had, they had the game, there was a helicopter that flew in and brought the game ball in. And so that's a fun one as well. So those are probably my, my three favorites. Right on. Uh, Brian, you want to go with our second one? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the next one. So, yeah, you've obviously covered some, uh, some, cool, uh, some good real Grand Valley football throughout the years. And um, in recent years, I know I bumped into you at the Alamo Dome a couple times um, to watch some of those Valley teams in the playoff run. So do you have any memorable mo- uh, moments – that, that stick out to you? What, what is the biggest RGV football uh, memory on the, on the field that you remember? So I, I, the, the number one was probably Mission Vets and getting that win over Corpus Christi Vets in the third round of the playoffs a couple of years ago. That was just the, the, the game itself was just such a fantastic and well-played game on both sides. Uh, had a lot of big plays. And, you know, you look at the final score, and it was, I think, 62 to 55. And you would think, that no defense was played, but both defenses made some big plays in that game as well. It was just a really well-played game. And the emotion from Coach Gilpin getting to coach uh, his son Landry in that game as, as the quarterback and kind of the key player of that team uh, was, was something really special and a lot of fun to watch. Um, when Harlingen had their great team a few years ago, I, I didn't get a chance to catch any of their playoff games, but I saw Harlingen play uh, Abilene High in San Antonio at Hero Stadium. And, uh, and my buddy Carl Padilla with the Padilla poll had kind of put the game together and was telling me I had to come down and see Harlingen and I had to go see Manny Gomez's team. And so uh, I, think, I think we made a family weekend of it, took my wife and kids down there. And so I went to the game while they, they hung out in, in downtown San Antonio. And it was a great ball game. And just it was kind of that Harlingen's coming out party that year because everyone across the state, he kind of thought Abilene was just going to wipe the floor with Har- Harlingen because Abilene had won the state title. Uh, the year before, and Harlingen really made a statement and, and played toe-to-toe with him and found a way to get the win uh, at the end. And then Harlingen, I think, went on to a 13-1 and year that year and lost in the state quarterfinals to San Antonio-Madison. But that was a, a lot of fun as well. And I'm, Harlingen's still like 8-0 when I show up. So Manny Gomez has said that every time I – he's going to start flying me down for every Harlingen game because the Cardinals are undefeated when I show up. I like the sound of that. All right, our last question for three and out. When Matt Steph is in the Rio Grande Valley, where does he go for tacos? Oh, wow. There's so – that's like – there's so many good places down there. It's hard to pick one. Um, but usually when I'm down there, the play, I always try to go to Costa Mesa. That's like my, uh, my favorite place in McAllen for sure is Costa Mesa. Um, but, I mean, you can just throw a rock and hit a great, hit a great taco stand anywhere down there and, and, and just – it doesn't matter where you're at. You can, you can find a great place. But if I had to pick one place to go eat a meal at, it, it, would, be, um, it would be Costa Mesa for sure because that, that, that place is awesome. It's a slam dunk choice, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Matt Stepp, for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, tell the people where they can follow your stuff and see your work, and uh, thanks for joining us, of course. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. It's Matt underscore Step 817. Uh, you can find all of our work at uh, TexasFootball.com. Um, if you haven't gotten the Dave Campbell's magazine yet, you know, it's still out in stores. Go out and grab it if you can. And uh, like I said, we're, we're super – the whole on behalf of the whole crew at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, we're 
We're super excited to see the Valley uh, back playing high school football again. You guys have been in our prayers and thoughts uh, from the beginning of all this, and we, uh, we're hoping that everything works out, and we're hoping to get back down there soon and visit you guys. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you, man. All right, man. Y'all be good. Thank you again to Matt Stepp from Dave Campbell's Texas Football for joining us and talking RGB football and tacos, always. Uh, now it's time to look ahead to the games that are coming up this week as five and six A teams in the Rio Grande Valley get back to work. Uh, we'll start off by looking at the Monitors game of the week this week, which is a, uh, an old school matchup, pitting two teams that haven't played each other in quite a while against one another uh, as the PSJ North Raiders are going to travel to Mercedes to play the Mercedes Tigers. Uh, I'm personally pretty excited about this one, Brian. I don't know about you. You've watched Mercedes more than I have these past couple of years, but these Raiders are an exciting group to watch. Uh, you know, Isaac Gonzalez, their junior back, was an all-Valley rusher last year. I uh, should be excited to see how he leads this offense. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you've got Michael Lopez, who's an all-Valley linebacker, really hard hitter, uh, excited to see what he can do with that defense. And on the other side, you know, you got an all-state backer in uh, Brandon Adame. I mean, Brian, tell me what you've seen from him. You've watched the Tigers more than I have. Uh, yeah, so if you want to find Brandon Adame uh, Friday night, just look for the football, and, and he'll be around there somewhere. Um, he's, he's always flying to the ball, uh, a speedy linebacker uh, who loves to stick his nose in there and, and get involved and make tackles and uh, – yeah, he's he's a really tremendous player, and this Mercedes team uh, has a few key pieces coming back. Of course, obviously led that defensively led by Brandon Aldama, but offensively they got some weapons, man. Uh, I, I don't know. Last last year the uh, Tigers uh, rotated at quarterbacks between Mike Cisneros and Horacio Pequeño, and both of those guys will be back this year to uh, give the Mercedes offense some experience, but. The biggest weapon on on that Mercedes offense is their wide receiver Josiah Cantu, who's uh, pr proven to be he can he can hurt you uh, anyway. Uh, he he lines up out wide, but they bring him in motion. They'll hand him the ball. They'll throw it to him deep and let him go get it, and he will hurt you. He he hurts opposing defenses, and this is a really good matchup between Mercedes and PSG North. In what in in my opinion, my estimation is going to end up being. Uh, two playoff teams. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a very interesting matchup, especially when you talk about stylistically there. It's two very hard-hitting defenses versus a really run-first approach and a more uh, traditional – well, not traditional, a more uh, pass-happy spread-out attack uh, there in Mercedes. Uh, what I'm most interested to see in this one is who emerges as the starting quarterback for PSJ North I think you might see a couple different guys step back there behind center. Uh, Coach Marcus Kaufman told me they like what they've got at the position and they had a three-way quarterback battle going on in the preseason. So it uh, should be interesting to see how that plays out. It'll be the first time the Raiders and the Tigers have played each other since 2005. Uh, so this is a, a rematch long in the making. Uh, we got another great game this Friday night too to kick off the football season for Class 5A teams here in the Valley that Brian is going to be at between uh, the Row Warriors and the Pioneer Diamondbacks. Brian, tell us some about this matchup. Absolutely. Uh, two playoff teams from a year ago, and the Warriors and Diamondbacks 
we'll meet at Richard Thompson Stadium this Friday for uh, what will be my first football game this season. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. You get to see two, two good programs uh, go at it. Of course, uh, Roe has been around for a, a while and has been to the playoffs and had some highs. And Pioneer is just getting there with their relatively new program. So this is going to be a fun one. Of course, we got uh, uh, Eddie Lee Marburger from Sharonland Pioneer, who is uh, a nominee or on the watch list for the Dave Campbell's Mr. Texas Football uh, Player of the Year Award. So, um, yeah, a great opportunity for him to, to start this season off against uh, a McAllen Road team who will be looking to to make a statement against Pioneer. And obviously, Andrew, you covered uh, this good road team and their playoff run a year ago. So what can people expect from uh, coming out from the Road Warriors Friday night? Uh, I think people should look to Rose, a team that can uh, potentially hang with Pioneer offensively. It's going to be a matter of getting stops, I think, for the Warriors. I mean, these guys return so many weapons on offense. you got the three-headed monster of senior backs, uh, Nick Meehan, Lorenzo Lopez, and Joey Partita. Those guys combined for like 1,500 yards on the ground last year and about 26 touchdowns. Uh, so they're really interchangeable pieces. They really operated on a next man up kind of mentality next or last year, which is going to have to help them some this year uh, as they have about 15 varsity guys back from last season. Most of them good playmakers, but a little uh, thin in terms of experience on the defensive side. That's going to be awesome. And uh, another thing I'm looking forward to is um, a name a lot of people might not know for Pioneer um, is Gavin De La Garza. He's a, a receiver. Um, for Pioneer, who last year, uh, about midway through the season, he played about five games before he suffered a season-ending uh, uh, foot injury, um, and which obviously co uh, cost him the rest of the year. But at that time, through, through about five or six games, he was Pioneer's leading receiver on a team that had uh, Luke Badia and Labar Lindo. So uh, this kid, he, he's going to be healthy again and, and back on the field. And uh, it, it's always good to see somebody who battled adversity and uh, – you know what I mean, had to sit out for a while and, and experience that. But uh, now, uh, you know what I mean, by the, by the grace of, of God and everything, um, I'm looking forward to seeing him back out on the field. And uh, speaking of people back on the field, um, there's going to be uh, somebody else back on the football field. We got, uh, when we got mission veterans going to pay a visit to Raymondville, um, and, of course, uh, the mission veterans quarterback, Ricky Reyna, who suffered uh, a, a broken leg injury last year that also shut his season down. Um, he will be back, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to be better than ever after going through what he went through. But um, So shout-out shout out to them for battling back. But how about this game Friday night? Uh, Mission Veterans against Raymondville. We got two of the best playmakers in the Valley on the same football field in A.J. Gonzaga, and we got Zaravian Armandadis. So uh, I'm expecting fireworks out of this one. It's a young Mission Veterans team, but they got their best player back, and that's A.J. Gonzaga. And it's going to be interesting to see how he – uh, admission veterans, a class 5A school matches up with that class 4A Raymondville squad. Absolutely. No disrespect to the defenses involved in that one, but I expect uh, those two guys, A.J. Gonzac and Zaravion Armendares, to really light up the scoreboard on Friday night. Uh, those are two really special talents, and uh, those are two guys that are tough to catch in open space. So best of luck to everyone defending those two. Yeah, and then uh, we got a, a few more games uh, coming up this Friday as uh, there will be some scrimmages. Uh, a, a few teams will be scrimmaging this Friday. 
but we got one, two, three, four, five, six uh, games on, on the on the schedule uh, for Friday night. And uh, yeah, we, we got some good ones. Like we said about Hidalgo and Gruya earlier, they're, they launched right into the district and uh, that won't change. That stays the same here uh, as we move along because Hidalgo travels to play Kingsville King. Uh, that's a 1-0 Hidalgo squad against an 0-3 Kingsville team. Uh, while La Feria, the uh, reigning district champs, has the stranglehold on that district, uh, pays a visit to Gruya. Uh, for another couple four eight matchups, and uh, and and one one of, one of the biggest ones is uh, Rio Grande City, who will be after winning the district championship for the first time in over thirty years last season. They will make their two thousand and twenty debut. So shout out to the Rattlers from Rio Grande City. They'll be uh, playing the Zapata Hawks. It's a little bit of a non district matchup to open up the season, but uh, a good test for. Uh, a new look Rio Grande City team. Uh, they lost their quarterback, lost their running back, uh, but they got a few key pieces uh, back at, at the receiver position, at the skill positions, and defensively uh, with, with Mark Perez. He's one of the best uh, playmakers on offense, on defense, um, and with their, their running back now gone, I definitely see him uh, taking on that role and uh, a more full-time position. Uh, so I really expect big things from Mark Bettis and the Rio Grande City Rattlers coming up this year. Right on. Important to note, too, there are, there are four Valley teams that have opted out of this football season, too, that will not be participating. Those four teams, as of this point in time, are La Jolla High, the Coyotes, and Juarez Lincoln, the Huskies, out of District 31-6A, the Progresso Red Ants, out of 3A, and then uh, Rio Hondo out of uh, District 16-4A, D2 there, uh, have all opted out of this season. But the majority of Valley schools continue to play, and most people are scrimmaging or, as Brian alluded to, in non-district or district games this weekend. Yeah, so we're really getting underway. Uh, for most teams, football is, is officially back uh, Friday night, and uh, next week we'll get everybody in the mix. We'll get uh, – all, all the 6A schools, all the 5A schools, and, of course, all the way from 4A down to 2A and the, well, where we cover the La Via Cardinals. So, um, yeah, just a, a really exciting time to be here in the Rio Grande Valley with uh, high school football slated to come back. There are times where it didn't look like we'd get this opportunity, um, but here we are in um, the week of October 16th, and we're getting ready for some more Friday Night Lights here in the Valley. Absolutely. It's exciting to be back, and uh, it should be an interesting season to watch unfold, kind of something unlike anything else we've seen before, which adds a layer of excitement to it all. Uh, Brian, you want to tell the people where you'll be this Friday night and where to follow you? Absolutely. This Friday night, I will be at the McAllen Row at Sherryland Pioneer game at Richard Thompson Stadium. So if you'd like to uh, follow that one with in-game updates, analysis, videos, stats, all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at by Brian Ramos. That's Brian with a Y uh, on Twitter at by Brian Ramos. And then I will be at the Monitors Game of the Week between the Mercedes Tigers and the PSJ North Raiders at Tiger Stadium in Mercedes. Uh, kickoff is set for 7.30 at Friday, 7.30 p.m. on Friday night. Um, I'm excited to see that one unfold. It should be a good one, Brian. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we got football back, and we're going to be coming at you guys weekly 
with the RGV Sports Podcast. Um, we got the preview show. This, this will consist of a preview show, basically what we just did right here. And then, of course, uh, Saturday, once all the games are uh, wrapped up and played for the week, Andrew and I will be coming back at you guys with uh, a breakdown and uh, bringing you guys everything that happened on the, those Thursday and Friday nights where uh, RGV football is back in action. And uh, we really look forward to it, guys. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Andrew and I will catch you on the next RGV Sports Podcast. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Stay tuned and uh, stay safe out there.